We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back and Happy New Year. First NBA front office show of 2023. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith. NBA, Keith, before we get into hoops, New Year's resolutions, are you a believer in them and do you have any? Uh, more goals for the year than resolutions. Like I don't think, for me, I don't know that resolutions work necessarily and I feel like it is, you You feel like you failed if, if you didn't start making progress right away or something. So more goals, but I kind of keep them loose and more high level than, than anything super specific. And then when I really want something, then that's when I get uh, deep into how I'm going to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm the same way. I, I think the people set these and I'll, I'll usually we look at fitness goals. That's the one you always hear about, right? How gym memberships go way up in January yep. and all that kind of stuff. And I always see it as people set these, these goals that are just, they're too big, right? Mm-hmm. To be, for your mind to stay focused on for, for long enough, right? You get to a point where you say, hey, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in two months or something like that. And then within a few days or a few weeks or whatever, you're like, oh, this isn't happening. Yeah. And instead of setting smaller goals and then more importantly, lifestyle changes and habits and, and all that sort of stuff, uh, once you commit something to habit, it makes it easier. I think people never get to that point. So when they make these New Year's resolutions, it's, it's such a big thing that they go after that they don't set the achievable benchmarks along the way. And yep. that causes people to to fail at these things. So I'm not a huge believer either in the whole New Year's resolution uh, thing. I think that ultimately, if you're going to do something, if you really want something, uh, you'll do it and, and you'll make those changes whenever, whether it's 2023 or, or whatever year it is. But nonetheless, um, let, let me say something real quick, just in yeah. case people are interested in this topic but not from us uh one of my best friends in the entire world he has a podcast called schooling struggle podcast and it's uh it's all about things people struggle with mm-hmm. and um he, he does it with a good friend of his they're both um fitness guys who do a lot of stuff uh, in the crossfit world um, a lot of like like running training things like that uh with that and one of the things that they talk about in their their show a lot is like how you make things achievable uh versus just you know yes. setting these massive goals without you know then then finding that progress so if anybody's really interested in this topic uh, i highly recommend it again schooling struggle podcast uh, it's only a podcast uh, no no video version of it but but you can check that out 
it's pr pretty short listens. They're about a half hour or so each at most. Um, so it's you know, really good for if you're in the car or anything like that. And and they, they do a really good job breaking a lot of different topics down on uh, mindset and health and wellness and mm -hmm. uh, beyond just the, the physical fitness, also mental fitness and things like that. So there it is. Very cool. Very cool. I'm yeah. going to have to go check that out. All right. All right. Awesome. Um, look at that. We haven't even like officially kicked off the show yet. And already I've, I've gained something from this. Awesome. That's Perfect. fantastic. Um, all right, let's get into some of our NBA topics for the day. A lot going on around the NBA, by the way, this is, we actually have a game starting up like, <laughs> yeah. In like how awesome is that? Yeah, right. I know. I, I could go for like an afternoon game every day. Yeah. I say this now that I'm home to watch them. Um, ideally they would, they would start at like four-ish when I'm actually home from school pickup, but I, I get it. I get why there's not generally daytime uh, NBA games, but it's it's the holiday observed, so yeah. Knicks and Suns going go. at it. Both uh, fairly healthy-ish too. Healthy-ish minus, yeah. you know, a little Devin Definitely. Booker, but but yeah. nonetheless. Um, Alright, let's start. Let's kick things off though with the Houston Rockets. Eric Gordon had some... Well, I mean, kind of cranky old man comments on the Houston Rockets, and and, and under, understandably so, but he wasn't thrilled with the lack of progress. He was asked about the progress the team has made uh, since opening night, and, and he said there's no improvement. Um, same old thing all year. We have a small argent, margin for error. It's a lot of things. It's mindset. You've got to play for one another. Do what's right by your teammates. If you do that, it'd be more fun. You give yourself a better chance to win. So beyond just the blunt, there's no improvement bit. It sounds like he's saying the guys aren't playing for each other. They're playing for themselves and it's creating a negative environment. So what's your take on this, this comment? And I mean, is this, does this hasten an exit from Houston for Eric Gordon? I mean, I know there, he's already on the market, but what, what, is, what do the Rockets do with this going forward? Yeah, I, I think the not playing for each other stuff is very typical of a very young team. Yep. Eric Gordon is the only veteran really on that roster. They've got a couple other guys who've been around for a little while, like Boban, but he doesn't really ever play. Uh, Bruno Fernando's kind of kicked around the league for a little bit, but it's for the most part, it's a bunch of guys that are in their first and second years, or even like Kevin Porter Jr. is in year number four, but you know he, he missed a lot of time early in his career and those kind of things. So very, very young team. And, and I think I think that leads to guys are trying to establish themselves. They're trying to find their way in the NBA and those kind of things. And when it's, you know, a whole team full of guys like that, it stands out in a very negative way. And, and I think for Gordon too, it was a very frustrating game. They had just come off of, uh, I think they had 25 turnovers in, in that game where he said this after, um, which if you watch the Rockets, they're a ton of fun because they're going to do a lot of stuff you've probably not seen a lot of like incredibly athletic plays and great finishes and great passes and then passes that are going to hit the popcorn vendor in the back of the head in the eighth row of the bleachers, right? Like it's just, they're all over the place. So it's, um, you know, I, I disagree with his sentiment that there's no improvement because there is improvement. You can mm -hmm. see guys getting better with stuff, but everything else he's saying is pretty true. And I think as far as does it hasten an exit for him? Uh, maybe I, I, I think, yeah, I've been saying for weeks now, I think this is finally the year he's on essentially a pseudo expiring contract and only becomes guaranteed if, if whatever team he's on wins the championship. And in that case, you're like, great, we won the title. We're happy to pay, pay you, uh, you know, full mm -hmm. amount, but yeah, well, we'll see, you know, where it goes. But my, my guess is that 
this has nothing to do with that. If he's getting traded, it's happening one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure to me, it's not so much whether or not he gets traded. It's how welcome welcoming he would feel about sure. a trade. It sounds like he would not mind being, being somewhere else where maybe yeah. he's around some more veteran players and the vibe is a little bit different. And that's, you know, to be, to be understand, but to be understood, but he's, he's the veteran uh, on this squad and he's got a bunch of kids around him and let's face it, even in, in a professional setting that can still get, get frustrating after a little while. Sometimes you feel like you're speaking a different language, even though we're talking about guys who are, you know, there's only a, a 10 year age gap, but go hang out with a group of people that are 10 years younger than you. You, you tend to, you tend to notice, right. It's just the way it goes. So um, without I, looking it up, what year in the league do you think Eric Gordon's in? Oh or do gosh. You know? I mean, he was initially, in that Chris Paul, is he in year like 13 or something like that? 15. 15. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it threw me off a little bit. I was thinking 12, 13 too. And when yeah. I was looking at it the other day, I was like, wow, year 15 for Gordon. Like, it's funny because he's one of those guys. Remember he was hurt all the time, all the time. early yep. in his career. I was like, this guy's never going to even make it to, you know, seven, eight years in the league. And here he is in uh year 15. So, so yeah, I'm know. with you. I think for him, it's, he's, he's probably ready to, to win again and mm -hmm. compete for more than, you know, just development uh, time for guys. Particularly with his next contract potentially on the line, unless mm -hmm. he goes to the team that wins the championship. So sure. that matters too. Yep. Um, all right, let's jump over to this. Zach Lowe said the Cavs are going to pursue a wing. Now this doesn't, this isn't like groundbreaking stuff here. Like we know they've been in discussions trying, um, sure. trying to land Jay Crowder from the Phoenix Suns, but this, it still, it makes sense, right? I mean, now there's a lot of teams that are going to be after wings. In fact, Basically, every team in the NBA, if you said, hey, what could you use more of? They <laughs> sure. would say three and D wings, right? I mean, yep. that's so this for is so long. It used to be like like guard depth, like, mm -hmm. a, like a combo scoring guard. Now it's like, yeah, another wing like, like that. That'd be good. So, Are you yeah. telling me it's not a guards league? <laughs> I, I think it still is. I just don't. I, I think everybody's uh, everybody still is uh, flush with them right now for the most yes. part. I, I think this I honestly, you know, without getting super deep into this mm. off the rails topic here. I do think this is the deepest we've ever been in like quality guards um, in the league. Like if there's, you know, just so much guard talent all over the place and more and more teams, I think now are playing, you know, two primary ball handlers where in, you know, like when we started watching the game, those guys would have been put into a point guard role. That's it. That's what you are. And, yep you would have been a backup now it's like hey we'll play two point guards together as long as we can put together enough defense around it well and that's the and that's why the wings are so important and part mm -hmm. is because if you're going to have a smaller backcourt which we're seeing teams trend towards it means you really have to have that size on the wings in order to help make up for it help you on the boards and and all of that sort of stuff but um but the Cavs are going to be looking at at wing play um what what pieces do they move in order yeah. to get that what do you see happening there yeah, I don't know. That's where it gets really tough, yeah. right? Because the most of their tradable, like big money contracts belong to guys they want or need on the roster, right? You're not moving Jared Allen, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. Uh -huh. None of those guys are going anywhere. You're probably not moving Kevin Love because you don't want to weaken your front court after what really sunk them last year. And so, you know, Mobley's obviously going to be off the table in any kind of deal. So that looks to me like, could they remove Karis LeVert and his 18.8 right. million? Yeah, sure. Right. That, that could maybe get you something there. Um, you're going to get Ricky Rubio back here. 
fairly soon. It sounds like probably sometime later this month. So now you'll, your guard rotation is pretty well set with Rubio Mitchell and Garland. So I really do. Yeah. I kind of wonder, could you remove uh, Rubio or Lavert? Could you move a Coro and Osman? Could you package them together? Mm-hmm. That's about almost 15 million in, in salary to go get something. You got Dylan Windler sitting out there 4 million, just completely dead money. Um, Cause he just can't get healthy. So yeah, they, they've got ways to get there. They've also got an open roster spot. So I'm wondering if this is more of a, uh, hey, if somebody really late in the game trade deadline week is looking to move someone, yeah, we can get involved then. I just don't mm-hmm. know that it's going to be any kind of star wing coming in there to Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, if you package Osman and Okoro or something like, okay, there's that's that's wing depth essentially, and Okoro is, is younger, yeah. still just 21 years old. But he's been playing well lately, better yeah. in the last few weeks than he and, had been. And at the same time, like like we talk about, well, you know, these guys, they're they might not be the answer that you necessarily want, right? You're they're not if the Cavs see themselves as, hey, we're a team that has a real shot to come out of the East. You probably want a little bit higher quality in terms of wing play than yeah. than what like Teddy Osman is giving. Not that they're they're terrible players, but uh, yeah. these are guys that will hold interest to other teams. But are they going to give up that next tier player in order to get those two guys? Probably not, right? So that, that's that's where yeah, it gets tricky. Exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. That this is where it's difficult in the process. Could they go get like an Alec Burks? Sure, but is Alec Burks like how much is he going to lift your, your right. team above you know, where you are uh, today in the grand scheme of things? Like that, that's a guy you could probably go get from Detroit. I imagine you know teams are calling all over, you know, looking for guys like him. Because what you're starting to do now is, all right, who's out of it? Right, like who, 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 who's maybe looking to sell guys off mm-hmm. and move guys? Uh, Josh Richardson, maybe. Right, that could maybe be interesting, but more of a guard than a bigger wing. Uh, that would also look at a guy like maybe Doug McDermott, but that's kind of shooting only, which that's not bad. I think he could play a role and maybe help Cleveland. I, I do wonder if with Lavert, with Rubio coming back, with Mitchell and Garland. Are you more likely to move on from a Karis Levert saying, we've got our ball handling, playmaking, mm-hmm. and scoring covered? We don't need him for that. Whereas last year, they really did, right? It, it was Darius Garland for a long time after Rubio hurt, was the only guy who could create a look for people. So it was like, we needed to get another guy. Now you've got that role really covered. So I really do start to wonder if it's like, yeah, it sacrifices. It'd be wing for wing, but could you get a wing that fits a little bit better? And, you know, you put him together with like a Dylan Windler. Now we're up over 20 million and you're kind of in the ballpark for just about anybody who comes available. Is Jake Crowder the right guy to go, to go get, I know he's a wing and he's on the market, but I kind of question whether or not he's really the guy that they need. Yeah. I don't know. I, that, that one's a little odd. If he if he shot it better, right. I would feel a lot better about it. But then so would you know twenty nine teams that aren't the Suns. This, right? The Suns probably <laughs> wouldn't even have him at home. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, no. probably still be in the starting group, and nothing. No. None of this would be even a conversation. So yeah, that, I think that's the challenge. I don't know that that is is a great fit. I don't I don't necessarily love that one for them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's talk a little bit about the number one seed currently in the Western Conference. Uh, the West still incredibly compact, but the Denver Nuggets uh, looking for bench help makes it make sense when you've got, you know, we know that with Aaron Gordon, with uh, Aaron Gordon, with Nikola Jokic, with Jamal Murray, right, Michael Porter Jr., you've got these, these pieces in place. They've added KCP, uh, Bruce Brown, right? You've got a, a pretty solid group of players here that they feel good about. You're not going to be looking to do anything major out there on the trade market. Instead, you're going to be looking to just do things that can enhance what you've already got. So the Nuggets looking for bench help makes a lot of sense in that regard. Is there anything in particular, you just saw this team, uh, is there anything in particular that you think they should be looking for in terms of bench help, scoring, rebounding, defense, what position? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think they could use another, another forward. Uh, just to, to have someone else in the mix, like a forward center type. Um, mm-hmm. They don't seem super sold. I've been beating the drum about playing Zeke Naji all season long. Um, and they just don't necessarily seem sold that he's going to be in that rotation. Uh, Jeff Green will be back and he's, you know, just the ageless wonder at this point. He just is, you know, just consistently fine mm-hmm. for them. Their challenge, much like Cleveland, though, is who are you trading to go get it right because then it becomes all right you're putting your kids kind of together your christian brown your um, highland yeah but and i think they need him because i I do too right so that becomes tricky like i wouldn't think him but yeah you're putting like like braun and and naji and uh you peyton watson like that that gets you you know you're up around I don't know, probably seven, eight million. Then you could get Thurlia Smith in there. But the problem is making a four for one deal is really challenging at this time of year with another team. My guess is they're not going to move Caldwell Pope. That would make a ton of sense. He he seems to be a really good fit there. And they signed him to that extension uh, earlier this year. So yeah, he's you know doing really well for them. Bruce Brown, obviously not going to be on the table. So that's the challenge is my guess is this is again, let's get, Closer in, we get in the trade deadline week. It's hey, wow, somebody's available that makes 10 million. Not saying Jay Crowder's the guy for them, but someone who makes Jay Crowder-ish money, you know, 10 million. Yeah, we can get there with a couple contracts, and that's how they go go about filling the spot. I don't know that we see it turn into, you know, let's let's move. Plus, the other thing we got to remember, this team's 10 million over the luxury tax. I don't know how far that ownership group's ever been super willing to go. They should be, because you're close, right? You you could be the, the team representing the West in the finals, and I think you've got a really great shot at it. But, you know, that's I don't know how if they're are they willing to add 10 more million in payroll. I, that That's a pretty big ad. You know, a name that might be kind of interesting. It's in the right pay range and all that. And I don't know. It's not super exciting. But in terms of, you know, 10, 15 minutes a night, uh, depending on what the Raptors decide to do. What about that young? Yeah. Yeah. He could be a guy who would fit. Yeah. And that's a guy they could go get. Right. Yeah. He makes it about 8 million. And yeah, that, that's a good one. I, I kind of like that, that idea. And I, I Toronto's going to do something. They're not going to keep rolling this yeah. out 
night after night with this. And what a weird roster it is. I don't have talking about where we spend the top of the show talking about how everybody has a million guards. Toronto's have any. It's all all wings and forwards, and like it's just kind of, kind of a mess there for for the Raptors on a roster construction wise. And I feel it. Like, I feel like whether it's trade deadline, that'll probably trade deadline to me is going to be the start of it for Toronto. But then when we get into the summer, I think we're going to see major uh, moves happening with the Raptors. I just I just feel like it's time that they've kind of taken this group uh, as far as they're going to go. I know Scotty Barnes is only in year two, but the rest of those guys have been around there for a little while now. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, uh, Nate McMillan, <laughs> considering resigning to no, now he's staying to – who knows what the heck is going on in, in Atlanta. Sean Strani had the report last week that Nate McMillan was considering resigning, but then like in the report, he said, well, but he's not, this was kind of a mess. <laughs> in, in <laughs> yeah. my, like it's, it's like he thought about it, but, but then he's now he's not going to, and okay, what was the, I don't know what the point of it all was other than just to kind of highlight, I guess that things have been pretty tumultuous in Atlanta. Uh, what did you think about the whole thing? I, I, I was reading that report. Just, I just kind of shaking my head like, yikes. What, what was the point of this? Yeah. I was in the same place as you where I was really like, what is going on here? Like he is or isn't. And then obviously he and his uh, the press conference later, I think it was it the same day or the next day, but whenever it was, he came out and was like, I've never even talked to that reporter. Like, I don't know where any of this came from. Like, I'm not doing any of these things. And then, but then he did say, like, man, I would talk to my family and all this. So that seems like, wait, like, that wasn't a super, like, no, not happening. Like, you're right. nuts. Like, like, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm very uh, kind of confused by the whole thing, too. I'm not, not entirely sure, you know, how this all, you know, where it reconciles. Other than my guess is, why would he resign? Like that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And my guess is he just rides it out or the Hawks make the change themselves. And obviously they're making moves. Travis Schlenk, uh, they, they what, stepped down, reassigned, whatever it was mm -hmm. in the organization. Landry Fields is running the show. Now they lost a couple other uh, front office executives um, during that, that transition as well. Guys that have been around a while and are pretty well respected. So definitely transition coming for the Hawks for sure. But, you know, I, my guess is Nate McMillan's not the coach next year. I just don't know that he's not the coach the rest of this year. Yeah, I, I think that's that's part of it too, right? You've got now Landry Fields calling the shots there. Usually yep. whoever comes in, they want to bring in their own coach. Yep. So it wouldn't surprise me if Nate McMillan feels kind of like, you know, like a lame duck, dead man walking, whatever you want to want to call it. But uh, but that said, it, it would be surprised if, if he surprising if he just said, "Well, I, I'm just going to pull the trigger now rather than wait until the end of the season." No, finish out mm -hmm. the season, see what you could. You never know. Yeah. I mean, look, he he kind of got uh, hung on to this Hawks job when they surprisingly um, exceeded expectations. So yep. you never know what can happen. I would be surprised if he just just walked away and didn't at least give it a shot. There's still a lot of talent on this team. I know. You know, DeJounte Murray hasn't really fixed what's ailed them. And ironically, some of what probably would help would be the things that Kevin Herter is doing in Sacramento right now. But sure. nonetheless, I think that it's still probably worth sticking out and just seeing what happens and then and then go from there. I don't think it helps anything from McMillan's perspective if he just walks at this point. No, and I think the reality with the Hawks is 
they're disappointing. They're 17 and 19. They're not playing well right now. But you're like, not saying I expect this to happen, but you're like two really good weeks of basketball away from. Now all of a sudden you're up above 500. Everything's feeling pretty good. And you're moving into you know, the middle of the season feeling you know much better about yourself. So, And they've got the talent there, like you said, to pull that off. So I don't necessarily expect it. I think they're probably going to continue to be this right around 500, maybe mm-hmm. slightly below group. But you know, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, we talk two weeks from now and they're on like a six game win streak or something like that. It wouldn't be too surprising. This is a, a topic for a future show because this is way it's way more in depth than we have time to get into right now. But we should go back and retroactively look at the Gobert, Donovan Mitchell and DeJounte oh, yeah. Murray trades yeah. um, and Not take a, a look at, at those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do that. We'll, we'll put that on a day where it's a light news day and we yeah. can, yeah, we'll go back and look at all the big off season moves and kind of regrade them all or yeah. whatever we want to do now. Yeah. That's a great idea. All right. Let's jump over to, uh, to my team in LA. Anthony Davis uh, spoke surprisingly spoke to re- reporters the other day. Uh, in fact, it was before the Lakers took on the Hawks uh, about his recovery process and essentially said that there is, he finally revealed everybody's been in the dark. He's been to multiple doctors and everybody's been saying, what exactly is the injury? What's going on here? And nobody could tell from the play. It wasn't like, you know, oh, clearly he rolled his ankle or anything. It was it was just this huge mystery. Nobody knew what was going on. He said that there's a fracture in his foot and he had a bone spur that was putting pressure on the navicular bone and created a stress reaction there. And essentially it sounded like it was the kind of thing that had been been there for some time for a long period of time and just never became an issue wasn't anything that he would have ever noticed wasn't anything he was feeling and then just suddenly it it became a problem on that one particular play just you know just one of those kind of fluke things but but he did say that uh he's recovering well his pain is now down to a two out of ten trending towards a one which that's what they were hoping for they were hoping that it could heal on its own and not require surgery sounds like that's the way this is progressing and then um, he should be getting scans. It could be happening right now, uh, getting new scans anytime now. And then they'll go from there in terms of, does he step back on the floor? He said, he's already doing all of his weight room stuff. The question then becomes at what point does he actually, you know, get back onto the basketball floor, but hopefully that's sooner rather than later. Yeah. My only worry is whenever it's one of these almost repetitive use type injuries yeah. is, does he play two weeks and then it's hurting again and then up again, this time yeah. like that? That's the issue. And I'm not saying he should shut it down and have surgery and surgery may not even be the right answer here. And it might be one of those things where, Hey, this is kind of how it is for a while. It might be one of those where it's, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where I play two weeks and then I need to miss a week and then I'm back in the lineup, but we'll see where it goes. It's just unfortunate because he was playing so well, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I think, record wise it's unfortunate too because it's pretty clear they don't have much of a chance to be a very good team without him so it's kind of turning into where do we go with this and that's that's where you have to be really careful with your player and especially anthony davis who the lakers have a long-term investment in you don't want to push him back to what win five more games than you might have otherwise and still miss out on the playoffs like there's no there's no win there like that's not a not enough upside and i get it they have no incentive to lose games either but they at this point that his health needs to take priority over anything else right now. You're, you're not competing for the one seed in a championship. Yeah. And I, I do wonder how much of this, yeah, this was supposed to be a season for AD to prove that he could be that one, a guy that could really take the reins. And 
And he did that when he was mm-hmm. on the floor, but that was the other big question mark was, can he stay on the floor? And now that that answer is no, I do wonder what that means for the, the future decision-making of, of the team going forward here. But uh, again, that's, that's also, you know, discussions they'll have to have this summer. I don't see them doing anything super drastic in terms of a trade or anything like that. Uh, at least not with Anthony Davis by uh, the trade deadline here in February. Yeah, I, I've had a lot of people ask. Uh, one, let's just cover it right now. LeBron can't be traded, so it doesn't right. matter. I don't. It really is starting to get super aggravating that people who should know better keep bringing this up. Is you know, what if he asks for a trade? They got to look at it before the trade deadline. I've seen that. It a doesn't lot matter. He can't. Like he can't be traded this season. It's it's after the trade deadline for LeBron. So yeah, you can ask for a trade today, and it'll be all right. Well, we'll work on it over the summertime. Yep. Um, but Anthony Davis, they're not going to trade him by the trade deadline. Now, I do wonder, is there a world where the Lakers get to this summer and say, where are we at? Kind of sit down with their two two big stars and really look at things. And you know, what is the plan here? Short term, long term. What are our goals? And maybe everything looks completely different. There is a world where that exists, but that's months off. And we talk about that later. Yeah. Yep. That those are conversations for uh, June and July. Yeah. Uh, let's finish on a positive here. Gary Payton the second, yeah, making his season debut. Uh, had a great season last year with the Warriors. Won a championship. Now he's in Portland and and finally gets to get on the floor. Has been been dealing with a core injury and uh, and surgery, and now finally gets out there. And that's um, great to see. Great way to start off 2023 with a player who has uh, you know, grit and grinded his way into the NBA, had to fight in order to get to where he's at now and, and got that big contract and now gets to step back, uh, step out on the floor and show Portland what he can do. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, he's really going to be able to help that team too because they need another uh, guy who can hold his own defensively in that rotation. They're there again. They're hanging in there, right? They're 500, just above 500, uh, right around that mark all year. But in the Western Conference, that keeps them within a couple games of home court advantage right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Portland's got, got a chance here. They they just need to get their guys on the floor and keep them on the floor. I'll add one too, just because I completely forgot about when we're running through Jonathan Isaac. Full go in practice. Oh my! Uh, today for the Magic, so probably soon we're going to see him. Jalen Suggs as well, a full participant in practice. So I think we're getting really close on the Magic starting to get get uh, their full complement of players back. At least you know, well, let's see it for a month at least. Like, what does it look like with this whole group together? Because that's that's what it's about for them. They won on that nice little run and won a bunch of games, but now they've you know, lost a few in a row and they've dipped back. So now it's really back to all right. Let, this is about what pieces fit together. How do we get our young kids developing more than anything else? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. See what they can do. And uh, hopefully he gets back out there as well. And we get, uh, it's always good when you get players back out on the floor mm-hmm. and healthy, particularly when, I mean, Jonathan Isaac, Mike, it's been what, two years now? Since the bubble. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You get hurt in the bubble. So yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Over almost three, two and a half by the time we finally see him play a game again. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, (laughs) hopefully he's able to get back out there and stay out on the floor. Let's get these guys healthy and keep them that way. But thanks, everybody, for joining us. Welcome to 2023. Hopefully there are good times ahead, good fortunes, and, of course, excellent basketball around the NBA. Make sure you guys are subscribing right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. And don't forget to follow us over on the podcast site as well on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.